This is Nami Velumad, and you're listening to Open Pike Night. I have some notes. Is this thing on? Hello, hello. Welcome to Open Pike Night. I'm your host, John T. Bolds, here tonight with some amazing guests on stage and in the studio to have a conversation with the woman who writes for Star Trek in a language that needs no translating. We have practiced our scales, learned that every good boy does fine, and emptied our spit valves. The Open Pike Night hosts are just one guy in a straw hat away from a barbershop quartet, which would be the second one I've been in. And our valued guests on the Open Pike Night stage have come to show their amazing support. Joining me tonight are my co-hosts. The man who knows that the true wonder wall is the feed of a social media page. Host of Sudden But Inevitable, Jesse. See, I learned it as every Gorn bag does fail. But I I think yours works better because it's less <laughs> uh, specific, right? <laughs> And the man who will crack under pressure and sing his heart out to both rock band and guitar hero, host of Green Shirt, a newbie's trek through TNG, Cameron. Oh, no, 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 no. No, you don't want me to do that. No, 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 no. I, again, have a wonderful intro written by our guest, so I didn't have to prepare one. So here we go. That is Space Cadet by our guest, Nami Malamad. Welcome to Open Pike Night. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. This it's fantastic to have you. And uh, yeah, you are the composer for Star Trek Strange New Worlds, as well as Prodigy. And uh, I think IMDb has you listed at 147 composing <laughs> credits so far. That's <laughs> We're going to talk about yeah. every single one tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, great. <laughs> we start Number the round table. One. Seven seconds per credit starting now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. All right. Sure, let's do it. <laughs> but Cameron actually is going to get us started. Yeah, let's go back before any of those credits, before credit number one to, you know, when you first got into music and then when you discovered that was something you wanted to pursue as a career, like. Um, well, that was very early on around the time um, I was probably like 14. Um, and uh, the the little golem you have there was a big inspiration for that. Because <laughs> ah. um, I, I was, I mean, I'm still a big Lord of the Rings fan. Um, and this was one of the movies where I watched, um, yeah, I watched a trilogy. Uh, I think it was also the time of Harry Potter and Pirates of the Caribbean and all these like um, lovely and Star Wars um great great movies that came out at around that time and i you know i listened to the scores a lot and um and then i uh, i tried playing those melodies uh on on the piano 
And, <laughs> and then I realized that it's possible to do it, like that it's not super, you know, crazy. Like, you know, if, if you strive by all the, the amazing orchestration and, you know, sometimes you have a hundred piece orchestra playing, you know, the, the Lord of the Rings soundtrack, but if you if you take it down into melody and harmony, then it it becomes a doable thing that you know I could play it, so I could probably write it as well. And so that's kind of how how it started. Like I I would imagine what what would I write for a fourth Lord of the Ring movie if, if that have ever happened? And I I still have those sketches. Like oh. you know I I would mock them up. Uh, you know I wrote some some ideas and then I orchestrated them and created like these little demos. Um, so for a lot of, of these sci-fi fantasies um, and, and, and like all, all sorts of like drama films as well. Um, and that's kind of how everything started. Like I, I was like, oh, this is, you know, I love music and I love films. So maybe I could do that too. Um, and then that, that started a huge dream of like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Hollywood and do this. <laughs> so um, yeah. And I, you know, I, luckily I had a lot of people who believed that I could do it. <laughs> um, you know, my family, a lot of friends, like it was a very supportive in, environment. So uh, it kind of enabled me to be like, oh yeah, I, I can definitely do it. Uh, I'm going to do it. And mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm, I still think I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you've done it? Have you, have you had that aha moment where you're like, I made it look mom. Well, I have, I have it almost every day, but, but mm -hmm. also it's like a yes and no. Cause yeah, I mean, I enjoy all the accomplishments and all the journeys so far, um, but there's like still a big way to go. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, it's definitely an, an uphill uh, journey. And I guess at, at the point where I'm like, oh, I want to work on this. I don't want to work on this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, that's where I know, okay. I've, I've done it now. Now I can, you know, <laughs> when you can be go picky. climb the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. just looking at those 140 credits in, in your biography, I mean, it just looks like, you know, since you've started, you've been working and, and training and getting education. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if we can go into the whole journey, but are there like, you know, one or two, like the key pivotal moments that you feel like <laughs> in your career that were like really pushed you to the next level? Like either what are mm. Yeah, uh, I think getting uh, my first big Hollywood film uh, <laughs> was probably one of those pivotal moments in American Pickle, okay. uh, Seth yeah. Rogen movie, and that was like my first big orchestra, you know, recording at Fox, and the first time I worked with with Michael Giacchino, and mm. all of that. Like that project was was super meaningful, both on a personal level because like it was. Um, the, the story itself is about this Jewish immigrant who start, you know, kind of a fish out of the water story and with all these Jewish elements. And, uh, you know, I, I very much identify with the, with both of the characters there. Um, and then, you know, on also on a personal level of working with one of my heroes, really, that I grew up listening to his music. So, I mean, Michael. Michael. <laughs> so, uh -huh. and then the whole Hollywood aspect of it and like having a team for the first time, because up until that point, I was also doing everything that a music department does. So whether that's music preparation and orchestration and conducting, um, mixing, whatever, like all the, all the stuff that are around composing. Um, so that was a very big change for me, uh, change of pace. And also like, you know, having that magnitude of a project, like, okay, this is, you know, this is big. It's not a student film. I mean, student films are important as well, but what I mean is like, okay, this is going to be watched by millions of people. So I better yeah. do a good job. And I think the other 
time where the same kind of like big moment happened was when I got Prodigy because that felt like, okay, now I'm directly or indirectly uh, going to influence, you know, a lot of kids to, Mm -hmm. to both, you know, be into our show, but also get into the Star Trek world. And so that feels like a huge responsibility (laughs) and, and it is, but you know, with, you know, I, I hope, I hope it's working out. (laughs) It seems to have. Yes. Uh, Yeah, it it seems to. Uh, So yeah, my, my nephews watched the show and that, that's something I'm super proud of. Like I I just came back from Israel. They they live in Israel and the show has been dubbed into Hebrew uh, at Nickelodeon channel. And just watching them watch the show is is a personal achievement for me. Like I, I feel that success, mm-hmm. you know, that they they love that show. Um, they so. weren't big American Pickle fans. Uh, well, they, <laughs> <laughs> they. I presume it's rated R. I don't know. It's Seth Rogen. Everybody I presume loves it's not for a cute nephew, Nami. But <laughs> the real validation is about to come from me, a a thirty year old uh, white male stranger. I love the music of Prodigy. Like as I'm watching Prodigy, I just I remember to myself, this has to fit into the grander trek, and it does. And it's just it's making its own way. And Prodigy is nothing short of a triumph, which is not the first time we've said that here, but just. Really quickly, on behalf of every fan ever, thank you for all of the music in Prodigy. It is, it is wonderful. Oh yes, great. I'm, I'm glad to get this validation. That is very good validation. Yes, thank you. <laughs> now I feel like I succeeded. Now, yeah, I, you know, yeah. I can tell your nephews now. about milestone that. number yeah. three. That's right. I yeah, can just quit the industry. I've made it. Yeah. I like her. She's going to be good. <laughs> yep. Uh, so you mentioned Michael uh, Giacchino um, and who you've continued to work with. Uh, you know, you worked on Thor Love and Thunder with him sharing a, a credit. And I'd, I'd love to know, like, how that worked out. But uh, yeah, I mean, what what is your relationship? How's that? How's that proceeded through into the Star Trek universe? Uh, well, I guess I impressed him a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> doing American Pickle. And uh, yeah, that actually he, he introduced me to that, to Alex Kurtzman. Okay, um, okay. And then that's that's how the whole thing happened because you know he it obviously did all these amazing scores for a track, and Alex produced that. So yeah, it was the short tracks. I think it was 2018. It was just right right after Pickle, um, and uh, and then he recommended me to do one of the shorts, which happened to be you know the one short that was kind of like a pilot for. For Strange New Worlds, mm-hmm. although the, the yeah. original pilot was already aired, like, you know, a while <laughs> Before ago. Before any but, of us were born. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. But um, but yeah, but that was you know the pilot for that ensemble, you know, for for these actors and 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 in a way when when I did that, uh, I think the editor told me like you know that that score is so good, like if they do a show, I you know I think they're gonna hire you. And I was like, well, you know, nice to hear. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, we we walked out of the soundstage at, at Warner Brothers, and and I was like, I really wish he's right. And uh, yeah, and uh, so that's uh, that's thanks to Michael, really. And and obviously, you know, I did a good job on that short. <laughs> uh, basically, yeah. So that led to Prodigy, and then after after I did the pilot for Prodigy. Uh, so the first episode, I I, I uh, submitted the mock-up. This is a funny story, but I submitted the mock-up, um, and uh, and then they wanted me to go on a call, like with all with the showrunners and the the director, and with Alex Kurtzman, which is not very, it's not a usual thing that like you know a producer of this level goes into like you know noting noting mm. the music. Mm. <laughs> 
And, and I was nervous because I thought, you know, maybe I, you know, and then literally for 10 minutes, he, he gave me a lot of notes, which, Mm -hmm. you know, it's okay. You you know, but I was like, Oh my God, I totally fucked it up. Like it's (laughs) oops. Um, But, and then I had to get off the call and, uh, (laughs) and the, the, you know, my showrunners continued to give me more notes. And I was like, Oh my God, like I totally blew it. Like, that's not great um and after we ended that call i get another email from alex's assistant like saying um can you come back on (laughs) like alex has you know wants to talk to you more notes oh no (laughs) (laughs) shit like really this is like wow (laughs) and so i go on i go on the call and he's saying so we have this other show that we're doing, Strange New World. Oh, <laughs> and man. I, I was wondering if you want to score. <laughs> Thought you were going to get fired and you got another job. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I did not see that coming. Like, I thought he was going to fire me. No, not fire, but like, give me more notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was like, I'm, I'm very impressed, you know. So it turned out I did a good job. Uh, and, and so, um, yeah, that that's how a Strange New World <laughs> So did you have to audition for Prodigy or did you get it based uh, on not, the short not track? Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was based on on the short track. And then, you know, the idea was that Michael writes the main theme, which is mm-hmm. a, a phenomenal main theme. And then, you know, I kind of take take it on and do the entire score, like like we did with a lot of other projects like American Pickle and Medal of Honor. And uh, what else would we do? We did more things. Um, oh yeah, Thor. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So how did that work? But, but on Thor, on Thor, he did do like uh, a lot of the score, like probably half the score before I came in at all, because this this was a project where you know it, it was unexpectedly um, postponed, like the the schedule of it, mm-hmm. and uh, like they had to do a lot of reshoots and stuff. And so by the time that they were doing those reshoots, and a lot of the movie has changed completely <laughs> from the cut that Michael worked on in December. You know, by by March, it was completely out, different. <laughs> and so a lot of the stuff that were already recorded didn't work anymore. And okay. Michael was was directing his film, uh, the other film, you know, ah, the, Werewolf by Night, uh, well, Werewolf by Night that he did for Marvel. And so he really, you know, he, he texted me like, if I can come and help on some cues. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't need to be convinced to to. To, yeah. yeah, I mean, these are like all my favorite actors, and Natalie Portman's arms are like my probably my favorite <laughs> women's movie. Um, <laughs> I mean, but everyone there is like you know Russell Crowe. I, I yeah, personally, I, I just I thought he was a lot. He was so good. Um, so and yeah, Chris Hemsworth. Like <laughs> this is uh this is this is fun. It's it's like working you know on Strange Worlds. Really, you just look at Anson Mount's hair, and you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> life goals <laughs> um so i know i'm so shallow a universe <laughs> oh i think I, I think the world's obsessed with it's amounts hair no you're not alone there yeah but this is where the inspiration comes from you know people ask you like where where's your inspiration coming from the, <laughs> the hair <you> know? <laughs> uh well let's see going back a little bit you know you had mentioned the the scores that kind of inspired you to uh get into composing but like going forward were there any other movie scores that like really you glommed on to, you know, Jurassic Park was a big one for me. Interview with the vampire Requiem for a dream, Lord of the Rings, of course, you know, is it the best score of all time or just one of them? I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> might be, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, Lord of the Rings is, is re- very special to me. Like I, I actually flew to New Zealand uh, <gasps> so after on. my military service. Yeah. I, 
I flew out with a couple of friends. Um, one of them is also a huge Lord of the Rings fan. The other one is not. And so uh, both of us were wearing a necklace with the ring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my other friend was so embarrassed to, to hang around with us. Um, well, <laughs> yes. And then I, I also bought this like location guide of where they shot the movies. Uh, and so we actually went to several of the locations, like the Kepler track, on uh, that great river where the, the scene at the end of the first movie mm-hmm. um, and Tongariro crossing, obviously, which is, um, which is uh, Mordor, like a <laughs> lot of these like really cool spots. So yeah, big, uh, big nerd there. Uh, and I would listen to the score, you know, with my <laughs> MP3 devices a while ago. <laughs> so yeah. And other score that definitely influenced me, uh, I would say Michael's tracks to so 2009 mainly. And then uh, Jerry Goldsmith stuff, uh, a lot of uh, James Horner, Alexander Desplat, Imitation Game, and mm. I think that's what mm. it's called. Okay. That, that's one of, uh, you know, a lot of the Hans Zimmer stuff uh, from, mm-hmm. from earlier on. Yeah, what else? I don't know. I, I listen to a lot, a lot of things. I'm, I'm leaning toward the orchestra world. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot okay. of Tom Newman stuff, too. A lot of Pixar you know, that, that's Michael, Michael and Tom Newman. Yeah. Um, so Ratatouille and uh, Nemo, Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, like a lot of these stuff. So yeah, I remember it was uh, Lost just being like, wow, the music in this is great. Who did this? Who's this <laughs> so Michael good. Giacano guy? Yeah. I've never heard of him before. And then just <laughs> oh, following yeah. him and being like, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's just getting better. Like, who is this guy? Yeah. 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 You, know, you know what my, my problem is with Lost? Like when, whenever, I mean, I love that soundtrack mm-hmm. uh, and, and the entire, it's, it's amazing. But then they temp a lot of stuff with Lost. And I'm like, how can I top mm. that? It's so good. Like, no, why don't no. we just leave it there? It's so good. It's so good. That, like, just Hollywood and Vines and <laughs> everything. It's like, yeah, this music is perfect. For, come on. Yeah, you got it. Just yeah. pay the rights. Yeah. Uh. Then you, you have to, though, you have to find something that, that works better. And ultimately, what you do does work better because of the emotional connection that, you know, whatever that, you know, your character went through. So if you introduce the theme early on, that theme pays off later. Mm-hmm. with your version of what whatever you know that style would be but yeah it's it's sometimes it's a difficult task like you know a, a lot of times with with michael or, or with tom newman's attempts you're like oh you know <laughs> i'm a pickle now <laughs> an american pickle yeah. Well, <laughs> that too. uh yeah what I'm, I'm curious like what what are the other kind of big scores that get used in temps a lot well a lot of hans zimmer like a lot of interstellar uh oh. that's that's a big yeah. one uh-huh. uh the timepiece specifically, I've, I think I've heard it like probably five yeah. or six times. Right I guess now. I should say temps are when people finish the movie and they, they just put in pre-existing music in to kind of get that mood before yeah. the actual yeah. music gets scored. Just if anyone doesn't know. Exactly. It's a, it's a reference track. So, yeah. um, you know, you kind of talk about it when you do the spotting session, you like whether this is working or why is it not working or you know, what, what, a certain, what the filmmaker likes about this or what they don't like about this uh-huh. uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. So Hans Zimmer, a lot, a lot of temps, um, Tom Newman's American beauty uh, is another mm. huge temp yeah. piece that you hear a lot. Um, just, just that style is very, very likable. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I saw, I, I watched another uh, a podcast with you and I noticed that you had a mouse rat shirt on. Which made me wonder, <laughs> Nami, if you could join any fictional band, which fictional band would you want to be a member of? You know what? Master it is a good option. Yeah. Uh, though I would like to play with the Duke uh, Silver. Yeah. As well. yep. <laughs> sure. Yeah. If you notice, oh, actually, 
Well, yeah, it's out. The album for Prodigy episode 17 has a title track called uh, the Murph Silver Trio. <laughs> That's a reference. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, there's an Israeli movie called the, the, the Band's Visit, which is all about this orchestra that comes to, you know, lands in this like, uh, actually, I think they made it a Broadway show after that. Now that I think about it. Hmm. But anyway, I would also like to play in that band. Okay, good. Very cool. I'm a mystic spiral guy myself, but we're thinking <laughs> about changing the name. <laughs> I know I'd have to go like Moss Eisley Cantina. I'm sorry. I know you want to play in a jizz band, Cameron. I know. <laughs> That's true. Uh, well, I was speaking of, of playing instruments. I, I do have to ask the uh, theremin is a popular instrument in the Star Trek uh, and I know that you've used right. it in your score. Have you actually gotten to play a theremin? Because that is on my bucket list. I have I have not. I know our producer uh, for uh, Prodigy has an, an instrument, but ha- I haven't played it yet. Aaron, Aaron Walkie, he, he has one. But yeah, I haven't, you know, it's, uh, I wish, <laughs> you know, it's on my bucket list as well. You too. Yeah. Relate. Yeah. One, one day. All right. Well, before we kind of move into Star Trek, uh, as we've said, you have a a number of credits under your belt and, you know, we've only scratched the surface talking about some of the the more uh, recent, well-known ones. If you could kind of pick just like three or four of your uh, previous work, maybe lesser well-known work that you're still really super proud of that you'd like people to check out, like what, what would you direct people to? I would direct people to Far From the Tree, which is that a Disney short that I did two years ago. Actually, I think it was 2020. So uh, it just didn't come out because 2020. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So, uh, but it's a beautiful short. It played before in Kanto and theaters and Mm. it's about like a raccoon family. Um, So there's no dialogue in the film at all, but you know, by the end of it, you cry and it's just seven minutes long. So uh, if anyone has Disney plus, I I do encourage you to watch just because it's a very relatable film uh, about family. Uh, and generational uh, stuff. So, yeah, it was very touching. Again, a film that my nephew endures. So, <laughs> you know, what could be better than that? Uh, <laughs> and then Absentia, which is a thriller on Amazon Prime, uh, okay. which is one of the first gigs I, I got. And, you know, it's it's just, it's a very different pace from from Star Trek. It's very, like, uh, the score is very sensey and, like, a lot of pulses, a lot, no, no orchestra at all, like, oh, not, okay. not very melodic. Like, it's a very different side of my uh, of my writing, but also, like, super, super fun and, like, you know, if, if you like thrillers and, and police stuff and FBI stuff, like, mysteries, um, this is a really cool show. Other stuff, uh, there's Miss Arizona that I'm really proud of. That uh, was an indie feature back in 2018. I think it's available on Pickock. I'm kind of curious about, uh, was it the New Zealand guide for tessering? I listened to that and it was really good. And just the name kind of struck me. What is that? (laughs) Uh, that was just a concert piece actually. I I was, uh, I was inspired by, uh, I forgot the name of the book. Um, Wrinkle on Time, right? Or yes, Wrinkle on Time. Right. Yeah. The book was, was, this was right after I read the book. Uh, it was really, really inspiring. And I don't know, like the thought of how I imagined that book would look like in in real life kind of reminded me of of that trip to New Zealand so like that's how I I imagined it would be and, and how it would feel to to do this these these jumps so then I wrote that piece but it it, it had nothing to do with the film or no, you yeah. know it was more based on imagination which which I like well, it's a beautiful um, piece I, I suggest people check it out yeah yeah it's a good piece and it was uh yeah we had a concert for it like it was uh it was fun yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, you're kind of talented, Nami. Good job. <laughs> Most of my stuff are just like happy mistakes, <laughs> happy accidents. Yeah. Half of the things I do are like, oh, let's try this. And then, oh, it works. <laughs> Great. You're, you're selling yourself as the Bob Ross of music is <laughs> what right, you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I love Bob Ross. I, you know, when I when I when I struggle with a scene, I, I will often go to Bob Ross's, you know, a, a, a YouTube thing uh-huh. and just, li- you know, watch whatever random episode. Uh, I was really cool. hoping she wasn't going to say, I just put you guys on and I go, well, yeah. it's not going to be that bad. So <laughs> I only say that because she said she listened. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. Jesse was, I did, had very selective listen. hearing there. I, I did listen. Here's, here's proof. Uh, on the first episode, uh, somebody mentioned, I, I don't remember Uh-oh. which one of you, or, or maybe it was a, a guest um, that was, uh, you know, a very uh, similar track to 2009 mm-hmm. and you guys thought it was synced somebody thought it was synced and i'm like no it was, it's it was me it was me it's not synced so um yes i am now aware of that and i appreciate that yeah. clarification and then there was there was also a discussion in episode five about uh about the see uh somebody said the score wasn't fitting oh um, that might so, have been and, and, me. And, and yeah. that, was, that, was, that was an interesting comment because I feel like when you, when you have a comedy thing and you're doing comedy on top of comedy, mm-hmm. it usually doesn't work, you know, in, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, whatever. You, you don't know? want the hat on the hat. <laughs> I already got the validation from Jesse, so that's good. I was yeah. going to say, Nami, what you probably remember from me is just going, I love everything. I have very few criticisms about anything. I'm, that's fine. It's I'm like, just in like hog heaven with all, almost all of Star Trek. I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy, but I almost all of Star Trek is, is just kind of my bag. But I, I okay. think that's really Might cool do. because it does show that you have an auditorially based memory. Is that how I would say that? Like, I mean, <laughs> you're very clearly in the field that you were born to be in, right? Like. The things that you hear oh. stick with you, is what I'm saying. I have a very weird memory. Yes. I mean, I, I remember stuff from history lessons in 11th grade, so this was like a while ago. Yep. Well, before we uh, get into Star Trek, we do have a question from one of our listeners. About how you get out of Star Trek. Hi, Open Pike Night. This is Mariah, and I'm really excited to hear from Nami Melomod about music. Um, okay, my question is going to sound a little bit funny, but it's basically, how do you get yourself out of a Star Trek music theme mindset when you're then trying to work on something else? I mean, it's such a strong, the Star Trek music has such a strong theme that I feel like it would be really hard to then go work on something else and not have it sound like Star Trek. Um, is that true for you? Uh, sort of how do you switch your brain in and out of Star Trek music? Thanks so much. Wow. That's, first of all, kudos on saying my name right. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing is, that's such an amazing question. You know, it's it's kind of very tricky to do that, to get out of Star Trek mode and Star Trek land. And also between the shows, like I, I will often find myself going like, this is the proto star theme. I should not do it on, on uh, you know, on Strange New Worlds. I'm like, oh my God, am I just quoting myself? That's wrong. I should not do that. Like there's no reason to do that there. Um, 
and and vice versa. Like I, I just recently I uh, I started work, working on Prodigy uh, episode uh, two two hundred one, and and I'm like, oh, <laughs> like this is this is something directly from Strange New Worlds. I I you know I will not go there, um, but it takes a minute. Um, so so between the shows, it's even a little confusing. Mm. Um, but then yeah, I, I think it's actually a little easier when you go outside of orchestra land. Let's say. Um, I was working on the show called um, uh, The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window. And that's a very non-orchestral score. Like, it has some strings, but other than that, it's, it's I, I think once you derive your, your music from the story and from the characters, and if they're, like, far enough from that world of Star Trek, then it's, it's just going to be you reacting to that story, and it's, you know, it's going to be far enough. So, so basically, what takes me out of, out of that Star Trek world is you know just not being in that star trek world uh or universe let's say um so yeah that's i i guess and, and it also helps if if it's not shared instrumentation or or any anything remotely close to to track um the other thing i'll say i did one time lose a gig because uh, i pitched on something and then the comment was it's too much it, it sounds a little bit like star trek like it's too <laughs> And I'm like, wow, <laughs> like, oh, I did not, I did not see that coming. Um, and yeah, it was an orchestral piece. It was, uh, you know, I, I very fast paced. I mean, I, I can see why they thought maybe it was too close to Prodigy or, you know, or, or something like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so to get us back into Star Trek, we have another call from another one of our listeners. Hey, Open Pike Night. Thanks for the delightful interviews with Bruce Horick and Dr. Aaron. I learned a lot from Dr. Aaron, so much appreciation. And I'm very excited that we're welcoming Nami Melamad. Uh, it's so awesome that you are the first female composer of Star Trek. It's a long overdue th for sure, but thank you for joining the Star Trek family. Um, I am a music lover, amateur musician, but really feel strongly that music is so important to visual media. Uh, you just, you hear a soundtrack and it takes you to um, an emotional time and place, a character, a situation. So my questions are, A, are you a fan of the other shows of the Star Trek franchise? And B, I usually make what's called a Crusher connection on Open Pike, because I do love the character of Dr. Beverly Crusher, as everybody <laughs> Who listens to those? Um, and my, I guess my question is, she's my favorite character. And I was thinking of an instrument that would would typify Dr. Crusher. So I don't know if you're familiar with her character. If you are, do you think there's a an instrument that would uh, go well with her character? Or do you have a favorite Star Trek character? And what instrument do you think would really um, be great to kind of feature to set the theme for them like if you were creating a theme i know it's a little abstract um but i i hope that that kind of makes sense because i'm very much into character themes and music really showing the emotion and what's going on in the story so thank you for all you do and live long and prosper wow <laughs> great question too um yeah i am i am a track fan uh i love dr crusher i i basically i watch all the shows like it's uh, you know for me it's like every Thursday, no matter what, like I will watch the episode that comes out. I can't wait for Picard season three because exactly for yeah. that reason, because I was like, <laughs> I was hoping that Crusher would show up in the first season. Like it was kind of, but yeah, but it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll accept what, what I can get. Um, you hear that Michelle? Nami's a Bev head too. <laughs> I like redheads. Um, 
<laughs> I think if I had written a theme for her character, I think it would be played on an oboe. Um, ah. I, yeah, I, I mean, she's got, I don't know, an oboe is, is kind of like cold sometimes, but it can also be super warm and super, uh, super emotional too. And it can also have like all these funky stuff. Uh, I will forever, when, whenever someone mentions Beverly Crusher, I'm like, I, I straightly, go, I, I go to that episode with, with her grandma's uh-huh. uh, lover. Like it's, <laughs> it's, 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 I knew you were going to say that. It's just a thing that happens. I don't know why. I mean, she did save, you know, the Enterprise a few times. <laughs> and, you know, but you have one ghost encounter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. It's so I I told you I'm shallow. So here's proof. Um, You're not the first guest to mention that episode on <laughs> in response to a Michelle question. I'm not going to say this is the genesis for a future Peter and the Wolf style Star Trek show with just different <laughs> instruments doing all of the uh, characters. Uh, but but hey, I think, if it happens, I think we had Beverly on Prodigy for a moment there. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, that that was that was great. I mean, that was a great question and a great answer. So I'm, I'm I'm going to push it. Like, who is your favorite Star Trek character, and what instrument would you apply to them? I um I think my favorite character is Janeway on all her versions. So Voyager version, uh, hologram Janeway version, Admiral Vice Admiral Janeway version, and I am lucky because I I actually got to write a theme for her. Uh, both for the hologram and for Admiral Janeway, and so, um, so yeah, so it's 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 not played on a certain instrument. Like I mean, obviously horns are, are more featured there, but it's it's an orchestral piece. So in both versions, which was a little tricky, because you know I've basically I'm I'm trying to like that nostalgic feeling of, of Voyager without doing Voyager. Uh, so doing that for the first time, then the second time was a little like, okay, how, how am I, you know, what am I doing now? I just admire her, her character and her, her, her strength. And to me, that's the kind of leadership like, like, you know, that I would like to, you know, I, I derive a lot of like inspiration from her and, and, and in a, on a personal level. So uh, also the actress herself, like she's just phenomenal. So uh, Kate Mulgrew is, you know, I don't know if, you, if you've seen her on uh, Orange's New Black, where she plays Red. Mm. It's a very different character from Janeway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's she's just incredible. Like, you know, if if if, if people haven't watched it, please do. It's it, she's she's phenomenal. And it's it's fun to to see. Same with uh, the man who fell to earth. She plays. A, oh, yeah, a very yeah, 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 yeah. It's so fun to watch. Yeah. Her and that's yeah. an amazing show, too. Like, I, I hope they have a season, too. It's it's. A great show and a great score also from from Jeff Russo, uh, which I, I really enjoy that. Um, so, yeah. So as as a Star Trek fan, uh, what would you say is your we call it your home Trek? Like what it, what is the, the the Trek series that is for you above and uh, you know above all else that is <laughs> that your is Trek? that is very unfair to ask that question because I worked on two shows. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So I, can I say that like my. <laughs> Um, say well, it. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my favorite, my favorite um, live action is is currently. Uh, I mean, it used to be Voyager, but now it's it's Stranger Worlds because uh, I feel like it has. I think it has the best of all worlds, um, if that makes sense. Like it 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 took you know all the previous shows and and kind of took the best elements out of them, like the the original series. So the the serialized. Um, you know, the, the non-bingeable version, so episodic. Uh, so contained stories, you know, 50 minutes of, of a full arc story with character arcs that develop throughout a season. 
uh, or, or multiple seasons. And then, you know, the, the, those legacy characters and new characters and, you know, that the music that is derived by, by like the Star Trek shows and movies. I mean, I, I, I think my, <laughs> the influences are, are definitely heard. And then amazing actors that played on, on Discovery <laughs> and, you know, all, all sorts of like, just, just, you know, the, the new modern technology of, of like, uh, like it feels very cinematic. And then you also have the, the strong ensemble, like, like in TNG and, and DS9. So, um, yeah, I mean, for me, that's, that's the show that does, does it all. But then, I don't know, I guess also TNG and DS9, I don't know, like a lot of them. I like all of it. I, I like Trek. <laughs> uh, and then for animated, <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely, it's Prodigy. Although I love, I love Lord X, but, but Prodigy. And then if I really have to choose across the entire franchise, I think it's Prodigy. All right. Here, I said it. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yep. Did you have a moment when it really hit you that you were part of not just a Star Trek series or two or three with short treks, but like you were now in the universe of Star Trek and obviously music carries on a long time after whoever writes it, but like this is you are part of a multi-generational thing now it's crazy <laughs> um i guess i guess with with prodigy somewhere down the line there, there i don't think there was a specific moment for that i guess maybe when i watched it with my nephews but uh <laughs> it was a very pivotal <laughs> moment um but also yeah i guess the first time i went to the secret hideout with uh, you know when i met with alex kritzman we did a spotting session for for that first Q and A um, episode, and then you know they screened it on on the big screen. I'm like, oh my god, I'm on the Enterprise now. <laughs> like this is the Enterprise, and I am on the Enterprise. And it was Spock's first day, and it was my first day, and you know there was like a lot of emotions there. And, but at that time, I didn't know where this was going to lead. So for me, it was you know I, I just enjoyed the significance of that moment for me. And now you know in retrospective, I'm like this was a huge moment. Like for Star Trek in general, which yeah. is weird to think <laughs> about, but yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, kind of like, I think Ensign Mount said it in an interview that like, he feels super lucky that he works, you know, he's on the enterprise, like doing that, that this is him. Um, and so I, I kind of feel the same, like when, whenever I'm on the bridge of the enterprise, you know, in, in my studio, I was like, this is, this is amazing. And, and by the way, recording studios have this like huge console which kind of feels like a bridge. I, I don't know if you've been, you know, the Warner Brothers recording studio is, just looks like a bridge if, if you go there. And then there's this, you know, this window, the ceiling, the glass where, where you know, you're in the booth and then there's the orchestra on the other side. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it, it totally feels like like a bridge. And so I sometimes I wear uh, like a, a Trek uniform <laughs> for the session. Like it has happened. <laughs> um, That's yes. So... Besides your nephews, what has been your favorite fan reaction to uh, your work on track? I love all the the art, uh, you know, the fan art that that I see around both for for both of my shows. That's like it's just super creative to see what, what people come up with. Like it's it's just really great. And then seeing all the podcasts and people talk about theories, like you know, you guys were thinking that Lon is some kind of a, you know, that that there's going to be something between Lon and he Hammer, and uh, you know, and then you were thinking she's a spy, like oh not a spy, but you didn't trust her at first i'm like oh this is <laughs> let's see where this is going and then a lot of people theorize you know spock and chapel mm -hmm. or or you know i was actually rooting for chapel and uhura at some point i was like oh or, or laon that and, was mine. And, that was you know, mine. also there was like a little bit of romance there on on episode 
five. I was like, is it, is that where it's leading? Went, no, it's not. But, um, uh, so I'm, I'm really enjoying these, these, uh, these theories. Um, so, uh, yeah. And then, you know, I just, you know, as a Trekkie, I, I get a lot of like, um, merchandise <laughs> like on Etsy. So it's really fun to see what people make <laughs> and, then, and then get it. So, <laughs> well, I think I'll pass it off to, uh, our next listener, Peter. Hi, it's Peter again. I hope everyone at Open Pike Night and fellow listeners had a happy holiday season. Thank you, Ms. Melamad, for being a part of today's Open Pike Night episode. I have a general question about your experiences composing music for Strange New Worlds and Prodigy. Because the target audiences for both shows are different, namely, Prodigy is meant for younger audiences compared to Strange New Worlds, does that change how you create the music for each show? In other words, is there something you do more or less of when composing music for one of the shows compared to the other due to the different audiences? Congratulations on your role as Star Trek's composer, and I look forward to hearing more of your work on upcoming seasons of Strange New Worlds and Prodigy. Live logs and proper. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> Peter's yeah. good at that. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> there, there is a difference. Um, I think it came to to a lot of the spotlight when when I was working on the pilot for Prodigy because it starts in a very dark place. <laughs> like Tars Lamora is a scary place. It's like slavery, kids slavery. Like I mean, yep. that's how yep. is that how you start a kids show? <laughs> like it's very very dark. <laughs> and uh, one of my the notes was to bring more hope into that score and to make it less scary. <laughs> um, because I think when I approached it, it was, you know, it was a little too dark. Remember, this is a show that is mainly directed at kids and then for everyone else as well. But, you know, the main the main audience is is seven to 13 year olds or something. So, <laughs> so you want to be mindful that it's not too scary and that it's, it's you know, that, that it's approachable. But but the other thing is is that it still needed to be cinematic um, and, and still needed to be grand. And, and so we never treated it as a cartoon, not, not with the animation, not with the story and not with the music. So the music mainly addresses it as if it was a movie. That, that's what I was going for. But then, yes, keeping in mind that this is for kids. And then Strange New Worlds, I, you know, obviously I don't have that, that limitation. So I can go more serious or more, more, you know, when it's scary to go scary. And when, when it's, dissonant to go this you know to to fully go there so you know i don't know if i would put the gorn the gorn stuff <laughs> into <laughs> into prodigy um yeah i i'm not sure <laughs> i know but but with that being said now we're in season two and and you know we 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 have gotten in the starfleet land right like at the end of sorry for the spoilers but in episode 20 where we know that you know the kids are are heading with admiral janeway so you know, and they have matured, like we're, we're not in episode one anymore. So I think the music is also maturing a little bit. Still not, not the scariest thing. So now we're going to dive into Strange New Worlds proper, which is generally where I ask for the most backup from our callers. And I am going to do that, but I would quickly like to start with a question of my own. You had mentioned that there was a gig that you lost um, because it sounded a little too much, your your uh, pitch sounded a little too much like Star Trek, and I'm not going to ask you what that was, but on the topic of a sonic identity, what is the most important instrument or combination of instruments 
to making music that sounds like it belongs in Star Trek. I, I wouldn't say that it's a really instrument choice because most of the Star Trek um, music has been orchestral. You know, may, maybe with a smaller orchestra or a bigger orchestra, depending on you know which show or movie it was. I, I can say what what is less affiliated with Star Trek, and it is a lot of time uh, piano or uh, all sorts of keyboards. I mean, Michael has has done it a little bit, um, but uh, it, it's it. If you look at like the the original films and like previous scores, it's not really there. So, for example, introducing piano of the very first scene of of Strange New World <laughs> was a choice that was to show the distance of of Pike from Starfleet. Like he's not sure that he wants to come back, and like, and actually he doesn't want to come back. <laughs> and so that that distant uh you know feeling in Montana, like you know, choices are. Are specific, but there there are certain harmonies and certain chord progressions and certain melodic progressions that are more affiliated with Star Trek. And and I'm not just talking about like you know the the famous motifs uh, or the fanfare, but also general like you know when you listen to these chords, there there are certain musical elements that or, or like progressions that are more affiliated with with that. And the more you listen, it comes natural. Kind of like when, when I was young and I would play scores on piano, I I, I would I still do that. Like I have Jerry Goldsmith, you know, motion picture score on the piano right now. Uh, this is this big book, and I I would sometimes you know I listen to something and I'm like, how did he do that? And then I I actually read it and I I analyze it. And I'm like, oh, this is this is interesting. How can I do something like this but not this? But like, what can I deduct deduct from this? Like how? And I I do it. Like you know, it's it's a lot of research. When you got the Prodigy gig or maybe the Short Treks gig, like, A, like how much time did you spend examining the previous scores before you started writing your own stuff? And do they just kind of give you like a hard drive, like a USB thumb drive with like all the scores oh, from before? No. Like, <laughs> That's your homework. No? <laughs> no, you got to do your home, homework. I mean, no uh. one's going to do it for you. Uh, they do a scavenger hunt yeah. cam around everything. Like, you have to go <laughs> no, find I, it. No, I already knew like a lot of the scores before. Like this is, you know... Um, and yeah, obviously, I, I I I did listen to like I did watch some original series stuff, and then I I think you know my main influence has always been Michael. So, uh, you know, with with tracks, so I I think that was very audible as well. I don't need to re-listen to to those scores. <laughs> I know them too well. So, but yeah, you got to do your homework. Um, they what they give you is is just a picture, like, and and then a temp track if if there's any temp music. But a lot of filmmakers and and Alex as well, like he he did say like you do what you think is right, and you know this is just something to get us going. But it's not like I'm not attached to it. This is not something you don't have to follow this as a guide, you know. And I think it's really good when when a filmmaker does that because they give you the liberty and, and the, the freedom to go and be creative and, and not tie yourself to an existing piece of music, but, you know, kind of derive the pace and the energy from, from the picture and from the characters and from the acting, from the writing, from the camera movement, really. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of it is, is timing really. Oh, when you work cool. on a show. Like when, when is the, the big moment where we see the, the, uh, when, when the camera opens to a wide shot, like when, when is that, or, or a close up or like, or when does the dialogue dialogue fall? Like, so where, where should my chord fall? With, like before that or after? Or like, sh should it breathe a little more? Like a lot of, of the, the, most of it is timing decisions, really, um, in, in how to create an effective score. So 
I, I will often spend a lot of time in, you know, trying things here and, and then a frame before and two frames after and like, you know, and I think, yeah, no wonder my cat falls asleep next to me because he's like, this is so boring. <laughs> <laughs> Any kind of editing, it sounds like, just just creates that environment for cats. Uh, so I think that actually leads really well into our next fan question. John, if you don't mind, uh, go ahead and queue up Zoe for us. Here we go. Open Pike Night, this is Lieutenant Commander Zoe Richardson of the USS Cinema, also host of the Backlit Cinema Podcast. Thanks for this opportunity to show my love and appreciation for the work of Miss Nami Melamud. The Strange New World theme is one of my favorite things about the show, and I enjoy the incorporation of the original theme and the rush of adventure that I get from it. My question for Miss Nami is, was there any particular pressure to include elements of the original theme, or did you just have faith of the heart to go where your heart would take you? Pun intended. Richardson out. Yeah, uh, well, luckily, I have some very uh, good collaborators on this, and Henry, uh, which you interviewed before, um, is really amazing in letting the, the creatives do what they do best. And so, yeah, we, we will often mention like, oh, this is a good spot to put the, you know, to, to mention the, the original theme, uh, or this is a good place for a fanfare, or this is, you know, where when Kirk shows up, I think it's episode 10, um, that was, for example, a spot where we're like, oh, let's let's do a little reference there. There's a general thought about it, but it's never a, you got to do it. Like it's it's not it's not I wouldn't call it pressure. Um, <laughs> and then there's the thing about not not overusing it, which is very important, because if you overuse something, it just loses its meaning. Um, you know, so you don't want to do that. Yeah. Our next question will follow up to that nicely. Hey, hey, Open Pike and Nami. I am so glad to get to tell you how much I love your music. Star Trek music is kind of the soundtrack of my life, and I love the fact that I am now sharing it with my two daughters who ask for it in the car all the time and remember what parts of Prodigy they've seen with your music. So my question for you is, since you are coming into this franchise and into the legacy of so many brilliant musical composers... I was wondering what it feels like to have learned from the greats and to get to borrow from them. I mean, some of those themes come back in your work all the time, and they're woven in so beautifully. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how and why and when you decide to use themes. Besides the fact that it makes us all remember things and feel nostalgic, I know that it's much more deliberate, and it means a lot when we catch those themes in different places. So I'm hoping you can expand a little bit on your creative process there. Thank you all so much for everything you do, and I look forward to more from everybody soon. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, th this is great to 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 hear about the your daughters listening to uh, to Prodigy in the car. That's I, that makes me really happy. About how to choose, it, it will often be you know a, a discussion in our spotting sessions, whether for Strange Worlds or Prodigy. Um, with Prodigy, it's more you know, with the reference to Starfleet or, or when they do something that is very Starfleet, like going back to save the miners or, uh, you know, or, or saving the entire fleet, <laughs> you know, with sacrificing themselves, the needs of the, of the many. It's a choice that you want to, you want to be mindful of, uh, as I said, like, a, there's, 
a temptation for me to do it more. <laughs> and then I hold myself back. I'm like, no, no, don't do this. The other thing is that like with the protostar, with, with Prodigy and, and Hologram Janeway, we had to kind of make a, a reminder of Voyager without doing Voyager. And for that, um, you know, I, I went back to, to the Jerry Goldsmith theme and I was like, you know, playing it on piano and playing it again and again and again and seeing what, what he did. And then kind of also mimicking that same orchestration. So, you know, you'll notice that the woodwinds are are doing these like eighth notes, you know, and kind of the chords on, on the upper range, or like you have this little glockenspiel playing. <laughs> um, so it's also like little tricks that, that kind of evoke that, or the timpanies, you know, that those timpani hits at the beginning. Um, so there's like kind of orchestration tricks really to, to create that same feeling, um, but also not, not do, that exactly <laughs> so yeah and then uh what else on strange new worlds i mean we had a spock amok right like that was <laughs> that, that was yeah, kind of a yeah. just you know because they did everything that you know everything there was bored for the original series um and that was that was a case where i was allowed to borrow from the original series and i was like i just went for it it was amazing um and everyone this is a really we had a blast at the studio like the horns were really happy like everyone were you know you can tell when musicians are happy with what they play because they just play better and, and they're more excited and you can you can really hear that in the takes so that was one of those moments because everyone it's just such a, a phenomenal theme so I have to imagine that the horn players are happy on all of the Star Trek that you score, Nami. True, I I will agree. And and the cello, the cello player are. We have a lot of solos coming up on on, on both uh, Strange New Worlds and actually I, I just finished Strange World season two, by the way. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh it's all recorded. It's all in the can, um, ready to go. I'm really proud of it. We also have a bigger orchestra now. Um, yeah, we have a harp in every episode. Like it's it's really great. <laughs> and and there's a there's a killer theme for Pelia uh, that you don't know her character yet. I know I know I am allowed to talk about it because it it was already published. Um, but her character is just amazing, and I I can't wait for people to to meet her and also meet her music because it's it's just I'm I'm very proud of it. So. Speaking of pieces that you are proud of, we often ask episode writers if they have a favorite line they've written, which is a question that they hate. Um, so do you perhaps have a favorite motif that you have written, uh, a favorite from all of your work, and <laughs> is there a favorite specific to Trek? Oh, this is from all of my work. Okay, I thought it was Trek. Um, yeah, from all of my work, it would be uh, Schlepping to Schlupsk. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a that's a track from American Pickle.
and it's it's just a, a very like it's also my mom's favorite um it's <laughs> it's just a really emotional piece um that it's kind of it's leading up to the climax of the movie and it's it's something i'm very proud of um just it's very jewish and it's very it just fits the, that entire it, it was it really captured my feeling at the time as well because i was like so grateful and emotional and and it it just captures that that feeling that i had but also that the character in the movie had so it was a kind of a perfect moment for for like and and then when the orchestra recorded it, like it was such a, a yeah probably one of the highlights of my entire life so um so there's that and then uh yeah for track it's uh it's the Janeway theme uh the admiral Jane it's basically the piece that's playing over the credits now credits of prodigy yeah super super proud of it and, and you know i continue to develop that theme in in season two so i'm very grateful for for just having the opportunity to write for for this you know for jamie i mean she's she's amazing it's so cool <laughs> so speaking of season one i'm gonna i'm just gonna try not to think about what you said about season two and i'm gonna <laughs> fail but Season one definitely ran the gamut uh, where tone is concerned, right? From thriller to hijinks and comedy and drama and high fantasy, body swaps, funerals. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this season. And while every track feels like Trek and in general and Strange New Worlds specifically, every episode sounds unique and has its own personality. And that's kind of a big sandbox. How did you approach playing in that sandbox? Oh, yeah, it is a big sandbox. But uh, I think it's from Yersha. Somebody said that like, there's, there's a lot of, of track and there's a lot of stars, but the, and, and then there's a lot of feelings too, right? And I, I relate with that. I feel like, you know, all these adventures, ultimately, we see them through the eyes of the crew. And we experience all all of you know Pike's journey of, of his fate. Like we all we all have that. Like we have we have an expiration date eventually. Like all of us, right? So, um, and it's about how how you how you live your life, really, right? And how you deal with that. A lot of these tracks, ultimately, y- you know, yes, we're looking at aliens, but we're looking at ourselves. So, to me, it's just capturing that those emotions all the time whether it's a thriller whether it's you know a, a monster or a submarine uh film or or whatever it is like ultimately this is about how we interpret that situation and what we would do and what we would like what this music will evoke so that's how i'm guided and th- and then you know all all the rest is is from the picture so you know we're on this alien planet like what 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 would it be like if i was a hura and it was my first my first away mission you know so for me you know i'm like i'm trying to capture all the the fear and all the excitement and then you know there's this close-up on her this is episode two there's this close-up on her in in that space suit and and you're like you you can really feel you know the music is with her all the time and then you know there's this transporter moment and then and then all of a sudden it's just like this really bassy feel and like all the music is almost gone and it's just like 
you know, a little bit of sparks, uh, you know, at the top, but then like super bassy, super like, you know, she's on the new, the plant, like she's on a plant and then there's this, this I mean, it's a, it's a, and the comment, and then there's this amazing alien structure and, and it's just so captivating. And, and to me, like I'm trying to capture all these, how do I feel if I was that, that character and I was stepping there. Um, so it's really just translating uh, what, what's on the picture. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, I get to play with a lot of colors. Um, you know, we're, we're going to, uh, um, what's the name of that star in episode six, uh, where Laura is from? Uh, Majalis. Majalis. Yeah. So what, what, what would Majalis look like? I mean, it's kind of like a, um, like, a um, you know, an older, uh, it's like, you know, the, the, the costume look older and, and the, the vibe look, you know, um, medieval or something but also they're like they're they have crazy technology and, and they're like way more developed than the federation on on on, med, on medicine and all sorts of you know they're saying they don't have disease and stuff like you know there's a whole argument there about how they got there um but but you know you like what what do you do for this kind of of uh, you know what percussions would you use or maybe like um some ethnic instruments there um same for Vulcan or for um, uh, uh, that that uh, the Illusion Kingdom that 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 crazy fantasy episode. <laughs> so so you do get to experiment with a lot of like different different instruments. Like uh, you know I, I had some ethnic flutes on this, um, and uh, you know in, in general on uh, several of the episodes. Uh, and then yeah, just just experimenting with all sorts of synths and stuff. Uh, there's some theremin too. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I think I think I think Star Trek is a very good. There's like a lot of colors that you can use. It's like being a painter, and you can, you know, try out new colors. And if they don't work, then you don't come back to them. <laughs> so speaking of playing with color, I do have to ask. I and I, I recently discovered it may be considered disrespectful to ask if dialogue was improvised on set because writers spent like a lot of time picking that out. Um, so I don't know if this is akin to that. But do you play any of the instruments on the actual score for the first season yourself, or are you only directing? No, I I don't think there is any. Uh, I think maybe there's some vocals that I uh, recorded. Um, like, yeah, I, I mean, on Q and A, I recorded the entire choir. I, I just layered vocals at the very end, where where uh, you know um, when Pike asks Spock if if Vulcans feel ah, so and then there's this this choir cue. So yeah, I, I sometimes do that on season two. I sometimes play piano. Spoiler. There's, there's piano on season yeah. two. <laughs> that's, that's oh, wait, that's does bad. that mean Pike's on a horse again? Piano mm. means somebody's going to die. You guys, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you asked me, you asked me about uh, earlier, you asked about like pieces that I really like. So the, the one that in, in um, you know, at the end of episode four and the funeral, once, you know, the Uhura and Hammer are, are okay. Uh, so that starts there and ends at the end of the episode. That's one of my favorite pieces. It's it's really like, you know, and it relates to the beginning of that episode where it's Memorial Day. Um, so there's some piano. Uh, yes, when you're working with the orchestra, you kind of want to focus on, on, you know, getting the takes the way that mm. you want them and, and fixing, you know, there's like plenty of fixes. There are some improvisation because uh, you asked about like if people improv uh, right on set. So... Um, sometimes I will ask the, the uh, Gail, our, our harp player, uh, to do something, you know, more creative or 
basically I told her do something better than I with what I wrote because <laughs> she she knows it better she knows the instrument better and I know that she'll come up with something way better there was also this is again season two but there there's a, a violin solo that was improv uh completely and this this was after we recorded the orchestra and I was like we're still we still need something there and then we just you know the the violin player stayed later and she just improvised some stuff and I'm like this is great. This is what we need. So, you know, we had several takes um, and we uh, kind of comped them together. It doesn't normally happen a lot of on film scores and, and TV shows, but when it does, it's it's fun. I'm sorry, Nami. All I'm hearing is that you're killing everybody in season two. We've got sad violins. We've got pianos coming in. There's oh, it's a not sad. Uh, but, <laughs> They're all eating oranges on screen. It's going to be terrible. Yeah, I mean, while we are on the topic. I can tell you a, spo- a spoiler. Uh, basically, what happens is the Gorn, uh, they... Uh, they they capture the Enterprise and then everyone is becoming Gorn and so the, the entire show ten episodes are just like the Gorn. Oh, Gorn New Worlds. That's great <laughs> because I I gotta say the end of that Gorn track is the most terrifying grandchild of the theme from Jaws and Flight of the Bumblebee by way of the Murder Hornet. How did you like? How do you even approach writing music for? the next big bad in Star Trek. Like, oh my God. This is definitely a Williams influence. I, I will get, I will hand that to you. I am very influenced by Williams, like my entire career. And one of the struggles of Star Trek was not to go Williams on anything. <laughs> 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 and I think on, on Prodigy episode one, you can still hear some influence. <laughs> and, not in a bad you know, way. A lot of people said it was Star Wars. And I'm like, yeah, that, that is what happens when, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars people come into Star Trek universe and then they, <laughs> they go into, you know, they Trekify. Yeah. <laughs> so I allowed myself to do that. You know, he he's so such a masterful storyteller and and you know, a lot of the stuff that he did he, he, on Jaws as well. Um it's just so effective and it, it's very you know, it's a less is more situation with <laughs> with Jaws. Um so yeah, there's definitely that influence and yeah, I I tried a lot of stuff for for the Gorn. And ultimately, a lot of what works with when you're trying to establish something super scary is like keeping it as tension rather than an active uh, beat or an active pulse or anything like mm. that. Like a lot of times the, that it's going to catch you by surprise. It's, it's not a steady thing. You don't expect it. And then when it happens, it, it's very effective. The, the other uh, interesting thing that you could do is playing with tension that, are, that is sonic. So let's say a very, very high thing, very like a stretch drone, let's say that's very high. And then all of a sudden he's like, you know, and that's, that creates such a contrast and it's, it's just by itself, you know, the timbers are scary. <laughs> so sometimes you want to do that. And then obviously there's like all the, you know, the, the jump scares and, and things like that, mm. or like a t- the ticking stuff. Uh, this was derived from, from the story itself. Cause they're saying that there's this ticking thing that Lon tells yeah. the story. Um, mm. So you kind of want to, you know, I, I was like, oh, what if we what if we did that with the music a little bit? <laughs> it's very effective. Yeah. We had an interview with Davey Perez, one of the writers, and he actually spoke about how when he is writing a script, he tries to look at it uh, like a piece of music. You know, I'm going to lay down uh, a percussion here and then I'm going to put some rhythm over it. So to hear you say that you're essentially going in the opposite direction with yeah. the music and the <laughs> script is just like, you guys, this sh- the Strange New Worlds is perfect. Like it's it's. A perfect show made by perfect people. So thank wow. you. 
while Thank we're you. while we're on that topic of memento mori were there any specific influences you had that you reached into to help make that episode feel a little more nautical or submariner like i you know i watched a lot of these films early you know but i i don't i didn't go directly to be like oh i'm gonna derive my influence from this mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people uh thought it was like worth a con like that that there is some mm. stuff that um and I, I think I just internalized a lot of these movies. Uh, if anything, like, let's say when I first watched it, I was like, oh, we're doing, you know, we're doing our own version of Alien <laughs> or Aliens. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, this is this is amazing. Uh, but I didn't go back to that score. And, you know, because mm-hmm. because I I also didn't want to be super influenced by it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if I just listened to it, then then it would sound like it. And I don't want it to sound like it. I want it to sound like our show. So I think once you internalize those things that you watched early on, it's it sits in the back of your brain. It's kind of like going to the music academy. I mean, you learn counterpoint, you learn harmony, and then you you forget all of it. But it should be stay. It stays in the back of your brain. If if you had done all the exercises, then then your counterpoint will will become a thing that is just natural to you. So that that's what I'm. That's what I mean. If that makes any sense, like yeah, definitely. Yeah. Does that? Do you think that? The uh, another effect that we noticed listening through your tracks was that it often feels like the music is of two eras, like a contemporary and let's call it like a classical science fiction. Is that another part of your just kind of subconscious workshop where you go, <laughs> OK, I know that this is from the 60s, but it needs to be on TV now. Or is that something you have to think about? The OK, so again, this goes back to like more more musical harmony or, or like theory, let's say. But there are some some let's say intervals or let's say fourth, right? Like so, um, E and A, right? It's a fourth. It's a fourth, and then A and D, that's a fourth, and then D and G, that's a fourth, right? Um, so if you you use all these like um, timbers and and you kind of explore, okay, what do I do? What if I move that a tone up or a tone down? So these are some some things that I am taking directly from previous you know previous shows and and previous i'm I'm mainly talking about the original series here uh not the later stuff so the original series and the original movies so you you derive from that and then you kind of you know you see how you can modernize things and how you can take it with different orchestration or, or like how you you know you start from there and you weave into something else that is more aligned with you know, what you would call modern scoring. But I think all of it is looking through the lens of, of modern TV because, you know, the music doesn't comment on every little moment. It's not mimicking anything. Like, you know, if you, if you watch the Gorn fight <laughs> in, in Arena, you have, you know, the fight, the music is so active on, on these fights. And, and, you know, in a modern perspective, it kind of feels less serious <laughs> that way because it feels more like a cartoon. So, um so, you know, for me, the, my main rule is that music should always comment on what's happening, but not not in that way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we want the thing to happen on screen, then we comment on it, but also leave room for it to happen. <laughs> A lot of it is deliberate, but also modern. <laughs> Very cool. So the this and this is kind of a specific one uh, from the Elysian Kingdom. So the score between uh the moments where mbenga and rukia are saying goodbye uh much like the episode itself does a masterful job of weaving optimism into what is so clearly a very sad song 
Were there any bittersweet experiences in your own life that you find it helps to draw on when you when you need that kind of emotion in your music? Well, I didn't lose any daughter, <laughs> but uh, I don't have a daughter yet. Well, hopefully at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I lost cats. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, but hey, a man, loss still hurts. Still hurts. A yeah. loss yeah. is a loss. So yeah. you know, a loss is a loss. And you know, obviously, I'm. You know, I, I think we all, as humans, have um experience some kind of loss or and we have fears and we have you know worries and i didn't think of a specific reference to that scene because for me it was it was more about the whole food thing it was more about the okay she's gonna be okay like Hmm. he you know it's 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 the letting go um and it's the believing that that things are you know it's are going to be okay so it was that conclusion was beautiful like in in my opinion like i i think it was a full circle thing especially when she comes back it's like uh fulfilling it's it's um yeah he lost her but also he knows that he did the right thing so i i wanted to support that like you know and 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 a lot of times again this is a music thing but if you do something sad on set on a sad thing it just makes it less effective kind of like what I said about comedy on comedy. Mm. Uh, if the music is funny and it tells you, oh, you have to, this is funny, then it's less funny. Like it's way more serious when, when, the, when the music addresses the character seriously and, the, the, and then the character is doing something funny um, or, or the music lands out, but sometimes it just lands out. And so the same thing is when you, when you play a major piece or like a, a piece that, that has a major conclusion over a sad moment, it often makes it like even more, more sad, you know, in, yeah. in your heart. Cause, cause that contrast really works. So I think, I think music is a lot about that contrast. Uh, it, it just, it just makes it a little more, I mean, I'm not saying like, yeah, play a happy song, but just have a conclusion sure. that is, that has a little bit of a hope there. It will make it more, more heartbreaking really. So it was both of all of these things together. Um, if any really true reference was uh, was episode four um, with the Remembrance Day, because, you know, I'm, I'm from Israel. We actually, you know, when we have Memorial Day, it's it's, you know, it's yeah. a, a real Memorial not Day. Not just a day off work. Uh, n- yeah. Not not just a shopping thing. Uh, I mean, when I came to the U.S., I was like, what Memorial Day sale? What What is that? <laughs> like, I've not, you know, and, and I know like, yeah, it's still there's still ceremonies and stuff. But like in Israel, it, it is an official holiday of, of like remembrance. Um, and I've, I've lost, a, a, you know, someone in, in the military. And I'm, to me, that that moment was very personal. So I, I could definitely relate to that speech, the Pike speech, and and mm-hmm. with Rukia, it wasn't. I'm I'm lucky that it wasn't a personal thing. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, yeah. <laughs> I haven't lost anyone uh, recently either, but uh, that whole episode and the music included just ruined me. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad. Uh, yeah, it, it was it it was a bit of a quick conclusion to Rukia's story, in in my opinion. <laughs> um, the music like, did a little bit of lifting, yeah. I, I would want to see more of how that story would have developed. Like I, I you know, I would have enjoyed seeing a longer story arc for Mabenga about about that. Uh, but it's okay because he has other stuff in season two. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> well, if you're suggesting yeah. a two-parter Elysian Kingdom, yes, I agree. So we had mentioned the uh, this Gorn track earlier that you had sent us uh, by the name of Gorn with the Wind. Now. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> not only am I happy that the creators of Star Trek enjoy a good Gorn pun as much as the rest of us, but that was not the only pun title of the tracks you sent us, uh, which is a uh, theme with other Star Trek composers. So how do you come up with your track titles, Nami? <laughs> Well, yeah, that's another Michael influence for sure. Um, uh, <laughs> we we, we do, guessed. Yeah, I, I, I uh, we share. I mean, we share the same music editor uh, sometimes. Uh, so mm. Paul Applegern is a brilliant punter. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I. So yeah, so it's between me and sometimes he doesn't work on on my shows right now. But like, I will often text him, and be like, okay, this is the scene. This is what's kind of going on there. And then I like what what you know give me some some title ideas, <laughs> and then uh, Julian from uh, from uh, Strange New Pod if you, if you mm -hmm. know him and yep. Brittany oh, yes. Brittany is like the queen of puns there. Oh, uh, so yes. she she helped coming up with some stuff for Prodigy and for Strange New Worlds, um, and then there's uh, Matt Decker, my, my music editor on Strange New Worlds. Uh, so it's like a, a whole. Uh, you know, big team effort there. But yeah, I, I try to sometimes like think what, what, you know, what movies I watch or what, you know, items. Uh, I, I learned a lot of English from, from that, from researching. Like, <laughs> from puns. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> oh, but what, you know, Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon took out my favorite pun and I will <gasps> never forget that. Oh, what um, is it? Because on episode one, uh, we had a uh, prodigy. Uh, it was, um, thrust me i'm an engineer and they were like no no it's can't put that in a kid's show exactly <laughs> thank you for well, sharing with strange us new world. Oh, they should put it in strange new worlds i think uh, like, yeah well, just I say might, i i oh. might actually now that i think of it uh maybe on the yeah season two soundtrack yeah open pike night exclusive <laughs> Yeah, we'll resurrect it just like spock was there we go <laughs> and hammer Speaking of what might happen in season two, uh, Nami, we do love to ask everyone if you can give us a one word tease about season two, a word that is not a spoiler because it will mean nothing to us now. But when we watch season two, we can go, oh, that's what she was talking about. Oh, this is hard. I have to think about that for a sec. You mm. already told us harp, so you can't use that one. <laughs> and do take your time. Our goal is never to get anyone fired. <laughs> right. Ah. One of your punny track titles for season I'm two. I'm going to look at my titles for a sec. Scores. Uh, okay. Strange Worlds. This is nice. I have all of them here. Uh, okay. Let's see. <laughs> uh, no, this is, this is all. Uh, fuck. <laughs> Sorry. She's like, it's she's like right. I got to, I got to stop naming my tracks. Pike dies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Gorn takeover of the enterprise. <laughs> Uh, Gorner Prize. I would say uh, Strange New Feelings. Ah. <laughs> I like it. All right. I Just tantalizing enough. I do like that. Yeah. I, I think that's perfect, but it's There's other the perfect stuff tone. Yeah. How to Train Your Vulcan is also a good one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. <man. laughs> All right. Well, Nami Melamed, Open Pike Night is an Open Mic Night themed podcast. So we do ask all our guests to tell us a joke. All right. <laughs> uh, do you have a joke for us tonight? I I have a joke. I hope I hope uh, it's not a too. Uh, okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> how many trekkies do you need <laughs> uh, to switch a light bulb? How I many? No, how many? <laughs> um, five. One to actually do it, and the four to argue how they did better in the original series. <laughs> nice. 
<laughs> Only four? Excellent. Excellent. I want to go to that internet. <laughs> it's so calm and quiet. <laughs> but, but you knew that, right? This is, right. This is a... Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't hide the parts of Trek that. Yeah. Okay. Our, yeah. our show I, is like about how people disagree about how great things are. It's it's yeah. totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For the record, I don't think I don't think they did it better in the original series. Uh, no, then you it was 60 no, years ago they did not. <laughs> no, they did not. And they telegraphed everything five seconds before it happened, as opposed to after, like you said. We've been talking tonight with Nami Melamad the composer for Star Trek Strange New Worlds and Star Trek Prodigy. And with the confirmation of piano in Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2, we can all hope for that ragtime theme we've been waiting for for Star Trek. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming, Nami. You are welcome, and uh, I hope I uh, didn't ruin any uh, Season 2 stuff. But also, Pelia is amazing. Yeah, she's she's just amazing. <laughs> As always, we want to keep every episode of Open Pike Night free to all. And to make that possible, please head over to patreon.com slash openpike. Our supporters there have already had a video greeting from the recording, and we'll have a post-discussion after they've listened to the episode. You can also check us out at openpike.com to find all of our past episodes and every link we have, including our merchandise, our Twitter, our Discord, our Instagram, everything. Jesse, how else can our listeners help? As John mentioned, you can follow us probably still on Twitter at Open Pike, and that's where we have all of our best memes and snarkiest discourse throughout the week regarding our upcoming guests. The best way to stay up to date on our guests is to subscribe to our free newsletter at openpike.substack.com. That way you will know ahead of time who is coming to Open Pike Night. You can get your question in and they can hear it and answer it directly. Now, of course, you can also send that question at openpike.com slash join us. And we say it every week, but it's always true. We can't make this show without you. So please go to openpike.com slash join us and help us make Open Pike Night. And Cam, where can people find more of you? Hey, that's right. I'm still watching some Beverly Crusher for the first time in Green Shirt, a newbie's trek through the next generation, where I am the Green Shirt watching Star Trek The Next Generation for my first viewing. Although we are now in the middle of season six, not quite to this infamous ghost episode I've been hearing about throughout this entire podcast. But uh, if you want to listen to any of our back catalog or our current shows at GreenShirt87 and is where to find us on Twitter and you can listen wherever you're listening to this show. Jesse, where can folks find you? If for whatever reason you need more of me in your ears, just stay in this podcasting app and look up Sudden But Inevitable. That's the show where I turn longtime friends into brand new fans of the shows I feel they probably should have seen by now. Shows like Firefly, Cowboy Bebop, Death Note. There's a lot of stuff in there. I actually knew somebody who hadn't seen Highlander, and I was like, are you kidding me? So I forced him to watch it, and you can hear all about that at Sudden But Inevitable. And I can be found on Twitter at John T. Bolds. It's been a long night, and the Open Pike Night crew obviously has lots of work to do on our pun game if we're going to keep up with composers of music for Star Trek. <laughs> Please be sure to tip your servers. Have a great night. You can go anywhere you want, but you can't stay here. And that was sorry, I thought it ran out. What's that called? Um, 
that episode with the, with Kirk fighting the corn. Oh, oh no, yeah, that, that one is Arena. Oh yeah, yeah. that is yeah. Arena. Okay, yeah. sorry, yeah. <laughs> I got confused for a sec. Oh my god, my trekking me now now feels better. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll cut that out. Yeah. No, no, you, you can live it out. It's fine. <laughs> I was right. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> 